Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Welcome, listeners, this last week of April. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio, speaking to you coast-to-coast and Gulf-to-Canada and around the globe. Well, once again, lots to cover. The finish-up of our historical story on gun control, and I'm going to tell you what's going on kind of today, because it's a multi-pronged attack, and then we'll have the rest of the story on gun control. And then we're going to be talking about a really big subject. This is the concerted attack from many angles, many directions, many powerful forces on you, the American people, the middle class, the working class, those of us who love liberty, freedom, constitution, faith, and family. And I'm going to try and tie it together for you as to the why behind these attacks from all sorts of different angles, using all sorts of different levers from fear to coercion to brute force. And next week, I'm going to bring you the history of the New World Order, or the more common parlance now, the Great Reset. It goes back to the 1970s, but we're going to examine today what's going on. And I think you'll have a clearer picture. I'm going to condense a whole bunch of things that you know, that you've heard, and a bunch of things that you haven't. And I'm going to try and bring it down to a focal point so that you better understand it. And then we're going to talk about election fraud, second week in a row, getting organized, taking action, getting off the couch. Folks, this is it. Do it. Take action. Hit that take action button on the website, www.ontherightsideradio.com. Make contributions to candidates. Make contributions to causes. See how the organization outlines are set up so you can form your group, you can get organized, and you can participate in this election and guard against fraud. Because there's only two ways that they can win this election. We're going to talk about both of them today. One is election fraud. We talked about it last week. This is more, deeper layer, deeper delve. And we're going to talk about another plan they may be hatching. I'm going to bring you some dots. You know, the new, oh, pandemic, shall we say. Maybe right before the election, you know, with lockdowns and mail-in ballots, and it worked for them in 2020, why wouldn't they try it now? Let me bring you some dots to tell you what's kind of going on in those dark minds. Before we get started, I got an interesting letter. This is from a gal in Chicago, D. Llewellyn, and she says that she's a Democrat and that she is fed up with Democratic policies. I'm condensing a long letter here. And she takes a front. She listens to the show. She likes the show. But she takes a front at my term, Democratic Marxist. So let me just take a moment and explain for all of you, including you folks who lean left, who are liberal, who are registered under the Democratic brand, even though you know the party has left you and you're searching for alternatives. In my mind, you can divide Americans into four categories putting aside anarchists and all that kind of stuff. Number one, you have, we'll call them Republicans. It's really conservative. They have a right-leaning view 
of the Constitution, of faith, of family, of individual liberty, of laissez-faire, of smaller government. Number two, you have the independents. These are people that can kind of swing each way. On some issues, they may be more social inclined. They may be more left-leaning. On some issues, they're right and sometimes hard right. And within that band, I kind of put the libertarians, who is, leave me alone, I'll leave you alone, to put it simply. And then you have the Democrats. And the Democrats anymore, are, you can really divide into three tranches. Number one, you have the old Democrat, the blue dog Democrat, who really, if you boil it down, in essence, thinks much like a conservative or a moderate. And then you have the liberal Democrat. Liberal Democrats are Americans through and through. They love this country every bit as much as any Republican, as any Libertarian, as any moderate, as, as any conservative. They just happen to think left on certain issues. Those are liberals. And then you have the progressive Democrats, the Barack Obamas, the Ilan Omars, the Rashid Talibs, the AOCs, the Nancy Pelosi's. These people are not American. They don't like America. They want to, to use the words of Barack Obama, fundamentally transform the United States of America. They abhor the Constitution. They disrespect the rule of law. They think nothing of cheating to gain their ends or lying to gain their ends. They are strict followers of Marx's manifesto and Saul Linsky's playbook for radicals. They don't care who gets hurt, who gets killed, who gets ruined financially or otherwise. They are ideologues. They are focused on one thing, the assumption of power and making sure they never relinquish it. And the exercise of that power in control over you, every aspect of your life. They love big government. In fact, they love global government. The bigger the government, the better. They don't respect sovereignty of any nation, particularly the United States. Look at the southern border. Those are the progressives. And you know, once again, they cleverly mask themselves for what they really are with the use of the word progressive, which, you know, connotes a warm fuzzy when you first hear it. But they are Marxists. And they are the democratic Marxists that I refer to in these shows. I do not refer to you, D, out there in Chicago as a democratic Marxist. You are a liberal Democrat. You're an American through and through who thinks left in certain ways. Good for you. We are all Americans. You get to think the way you want to think. You get to express the opinions you want to express. But I have the same right. And certainly apropos to what we're going to be talking about in this show, I'm going to bring you a quote. Once again from Thomas Paine, the mentor of the founders. No country can be called free which is governed by an absolute power. And it matters not whether it be an absolute royal power or an absolute legislative power, as the consequences will be the same to the people. Wow, how true that is. So, since I'm your hayseed from Wyoming, bringing you the cowboy's take, you know, just wandering around out here in the wild and remote, thinking about things, let me tell you that this morning, I was watching the last remnants of snow, white tendrils kind of tucked into canyons and crevasses coming down the hillsides. It was 60 degrees. Everything was wet. The water was trickling down the canyons gathering into streams, turning into creeks, filling the ditches, a welcome relief from the dry dust we've been having out here. And as I watched the white disappear on the hillsides, from all white 
to partially white, to streaks of stubborn clinging snow. It reminded me of the erosion of our freedoms over the past probably three decades, but certainly over the past 12 to 16 years. And it reminded me that even though the snow, like freedoms, were disappearing, it will snow again. And it's up to us to do the snow dance and to make it happen. It's all up to us, folks. There's no one else. There's nobody standing behind you. It is you and it is I. It is us. Let's do it. Let's start with this history of gun control, shall we? And last week I talked to you about all the various nits and gnats, the the edges, the little bites, the nudges, as Cass Sunstein used to say, that have eroded gun rights really for 200 years, but particularly starting in 1968. Let's talk about what's been happening on the legal side. So Heller was a huge decision. We talked about it last week. It was the first time in more than 100 years that the Supreme Court had said that it is the individual's right to carry arms, not just the collective, i.e. the militia. There were other cases since then. It's generally thought that California is the most restrictive state. Gee, what a surprise! Looney land out there! And Arizona the most lenient. And there are many states that fall in between. The first time that the court upheld individual rights was Heller. But shortly after the Heller decision, in fact two days, actually two years and two days, McDonald versus Chicago, and basically the court ruled that the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, applies to states as well as the federal government. In other words, states could not enact overly stringent measures impacting the Second Amendment just like the federal government couldn't. On June 27th in 2016, voice sign versus the United States, the Supreme Court ruled that someone convicted of recklessly committing a violent domestic assault can be disqualified from owning a gun. This was the root of the current red flag laws that you're beginning to see appear. And it was based on the 1996 Lautenberg Amendment to the 1968 Gun Control Act. This is where it really started to go downhill. 1968 Gun Control Act. On February 20th, 2018, the Supreme Court indicated it would not, it would not hear an appeal to California's 10-day waiting period for gun buyers and left that waiting period in place. On April 27th, 2020, the court indicated it would not rule on the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus City of New York, which basically was a case that revolved around a New York City regulation. Gee, California and New York, who would have thought that prevented residents with premises licenses? In other words, they couldn't take their guns to second homes and shooting ranges outside New York City. The city, by the way, repealed the regulation when the U.S. Supreme Court originally agreed to hear the case. That ruling would have been the first on the scope of the Second Amendment in almost a decade. On June 15, 2020, the Supreme Court declined to hear almost a dozen cases. They were all rat-a-tat-tat, appealing gun control laws, and that left all the laws in place. Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, that required residents to meet specific criteria to obtain a permit to carry outside their homes. A Massachusetts law banning certain semi-automatic guns and high-capacity magazines. A California law requiring micro-stamping technology and design features. There were dissents on this, but that's the way it stands right now. 
But there's some big cases coming down the pike. And that's really the next thing that we're going to talk about that has to do with whether Biden, our President Cadaver, has the constitutional authority to bypass Congress and enact executive order regulations. In this case, pistol braces. Whether or not Cadaver or the executive branch have the constitutional authority to bypass Congress and force the American people to register certain what they call lower-based firearms with NICS, remember, the uh, the federal, well, turning into the registry, we're going to talk about that in a moment, or face felony charges. Whether or not the ATF has the constitutional authority to bypass Congress and force the American people to surrender bump stocks or face felony charges, and a host of others. So we talked a little bit last week about the United Nations and the Small Arms Treaty. Obama wanted to get us in. Trump got us out. Biden now wants to put us back in. So you know, next week, there's a huge meeting, and it's a work group, you know, the United Nations work group, looking out for the people of the earth. Oh, my, my heart, my heart. It's expected that 80 nations will be in attendance, including, unfortunately, the United States, to work on the language of this arms treaty. By the way, that includes, you know, dictatorships like Serbia, Afghanistan, Sierra Leone, Cameroon, Lebanon, Venezuela, you name it. Terrific. Uh, what could go wrong? And China. You know, the same China that murdered somewhere between 40 and 65 million of its own people. <laughs> we'll never know how much. Through starvation, torture, and execution that has internment camps, a state religion that has to be followed, i.e. the party, zero free speech rights, political opponents disappear. They are all for this United Nations Small Arms Treaty, particularly in its application against the United States. We talked about that a little bit last week, too. This treaty is known as the All Arms Trade Treaty. The full text is posted on the website, Gun Control, on the right side, radio.com, the current show. How about mandated national screening? How about any country's dictator can know who you are and what your gun is, even though you're in another country? How about licensing for ammo sales? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. This is going to be coming up for ratification in the Senate. Once it gets passed by the United Nations, it's going to be a battle royal. Get yourself prepped. But that's not all, folks. It's like a bad infomercial on the rest of the story. When we come back, the attack on your Second Amendment rights, and therefore the defense of all the other amendments in the Bill of Rights, is not limited to the courts, folks. And it's not limited to the legislature. It is multifaceted, multi-pronged, and insidious and incessant. So when we come back, the rest of the story. You're listening to On the Right Side Radio with Reed Lance Rosenthal. That would be me, your Wyoming hayseed, right here giving you the cowboy's take. And we're in the middle of finishing up the history of gun control because it's a multi-pronged, relentless attack. So, you know, our buddy George Soros, and I urge you, on the rightsideradio.com, go back to the archives. I've done several shows on him. A brutal American-hating character. A dyed-in-the-wool globalist. So, did you know that Mexico sued a number of gun manufacturers in the United States for $10 billion? And it's being backed in its lawsuit by the Brady Group, you know, the big gun control advocates, who are being backed by, yeah, George Soros. And did you know that 14 state attorney generals, 14, We're talking about United States Attorney Generals 
are siding with Mexico and helping it sue U.S. gun manufacturers basically out of business. And they are all funded by George Soros. Wow. Gee, do we have a common dot here or what? You know, it's funny. They didn't bring the lawsuit when Eric Holder did Fast and Furious under Barack Obama. They're bringing it now. But they're saying that Mexico is being undermined by American gun manufacturers. And the states that are supporting this are Massachusetts, California, Connecticut, Delaware, the District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, and Oregon. Gee, all blue states. Imagine that. What a coincidence. Who would have thought? Oh, my. Let me tell you a little about some of the attorney generals. Let me, let me show you how insidious and corrupt this whole thing is. So the Democratic, and they're all obviously Democratic attorney generals. Let's take Rob Bonta. We'll just take a few in California. You know, uh, one of the cases going up to the Supreme Court is the limitation on a 10-round gun magazine courtesy of Rob Bonta in California. But when he was an assemblyman, Bonta introduced legislation that would require district attorneys to recuse themselves from investigating police use of force cases if they had received any money from police unions. You know, it's unbelievable. Guess who backed that? Oh, yeah, Soros. Soros. And it was all done to get Soros candidates sympathetic to defunding the police and zero bail and all the stuff that is contributing to rising crime elected. You know, like in L.A., have you seen Tucker Carlson's expose on L.A.? It's quite something. Attorney General Brian Frosch, Maryland, he openly spoke of collaborating with Soros' Open Society Institute, which is one of many of his political action committees. By the way, Frush is also defending Maryland's ban on modern sporting rifles. I mean, you know, he's way left on this Second Amendment. Michigan's Democratic Attorney General, Dana Nessel, she was sued by the Freedom Law Center, challenging a policy which basically uh, unlawfully targeted groups in Michigan that were designated to be targeted by the radical leftist Southern Poverty Law Center, the SPLC, as hate groups, of course, hate groups. Guess who gets all their money, or most of it, from George Soros, his fund charitable foundation. Oh, the SPLC. Minnesota's Democratic Attorney General, Ellison, oh, what a peach he is. He got a $100,000 donation, direct, from Soros, through what was called People's Lawyers PAC, which is a pro-Ellison political action committee. And by the way, Ellison thanked Soros on Twitter. Gee, I think Elon Musk would even still allow that. And then we have Oregon's Democratic Attorney General, Ellen Rosenblum. She got 70 grand from Soros through the drug policy action. Oh, okay. That's great. I Listen, I can go on. You can see how pervasive... And you've seen really over all my shows how pervasive this money corruption is, the bribe and the coercion of money. Remember what Marx said many years ago? Capitalists will sell us the rope we hang them with. Oh, my. Prescient, but we hope not. So this Hungarian-born hedge fund billionaire, Soros, he actually wrote his Open Societies Foundation. They wrote a gun control in the United States pamphlet 
And it called for criminalizing private firearm transfers, bans on handguns, state-by-state licensing, government-run gun registries, etc., etc., etc. He has poured $9 million into lobbying Congress to repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, the PLCAA, which is a huge obstacle to Mexico's lawsuit. In fact, the Open Society Foundation, all funded by Soros, helped Biden craft the gun policies that he and Merrick Garland, our Attorney General at the United States level, are spewing. Or should I say, espousing. Oh, I don't want to get carried away here. But you know, to carry out all these dirty deeds, you need really good deep state operatives. You need left-leaning, gun-hating folks running your agencies. And listen, Cadaver is up to the challenge, you know, Obama's third term. So the ATF, there was this horrible nomination by Biden, a rabid anti-gunner, Chipman. He was defeated six, eight months ago, fortunately, by the Senate. Now he's nominated a guy by the name of Steve Dettelbach. I mean, he's even worse than Chipman. This is going to be coming up for a vote in the Senate when they get back from their vacation, you know, working so hard for us. And you need to get involved with your senators. This guy cannot be confirmed, folks. He has already come out and said he supports a total ban on the sale of AR-15s and other assault weapons, a national registry of every firearm, and putting gun owners who have misdemeanor convictions on a prohibited person's list so they can't qualify to buy a gun for the NICS system. I just don't think we want him in there. By the way, Kajani Jackson, you know, just confirmed, unfortunately, with Republican votes to the Supreme Court, rabid anti-gunner. So don't think we're going to get any help up in that quarter. And then we have, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like never-ending, never-ending. Gigi Sohn, S-O-H-N has now been nominated by Biden to run the FCC. That's the entity that's responsible for regulating media. And she loves censorship. Remember that little speech? I'm going to be talking about it here in just a bit that Obama gave last week at Stanford University. Censorship is a good thing. We need to cut everybody off with a dissenting opinion. Well, Sohn is absolutely in that camp. She's already said she wants to censor Fox News, and, <laughs> and she has already censored gun owners of America for discovering that ATF was keeping an unconstitutional gun registry. Once again, folks, you got to get on the horn. You got to start writing letters. You got to make sure these people do not pass the Senate, even though we are kind of infested with rhinos there. Hopefully that'll be changing in the upcoming election, but that is up to us. And then, of course, you have the rhetoric, the media rhetoric, the big tech rhetoric, the government rhetoric. For instance, Biden claimed on March 4th, 2022, that only gun makers, only that industry can't be sued. Uh, You know, what happened to the immunity for the jab makers there? You know, the COVID jab makers, the vaccine makers of the planet. How about the immunity for big tech? Under Section 230, that Congress in its infinite non-wisdom passed 30 years ago, where they can't be sued for censorship, for acting as media platforms, for acting in concert, even though unconstitutional, with the government to drum out propaganda. I can give you other examples. 
This is the kind of rhetoric that we're facing. This is the kind of appointments that we're facing. This is the all-out assault on the Second Amendment. And in a far deeper sense, an assault on the founding documents, including the Declaration of Independence, and our ability to defend the people from a tyrannical government. It's not under attack by a few screaming memes, a few Democratic Marxists on the extreme left. It is the concerted effort of the United States government, foreign governments, globalists, big tech, media, dark money through globalist sources, i.e. Soros and others, Bloomberg, the United Nations. It is concerted. It is coordinated. And we'll show you just how important the Second Amendment truly is. And now you know the rest of the story. And we have a little bit of time until the break. So this is really the meat of this show. The Second Amendment just kind of leads up to it. It's part of it. You know, over the last year or so, I've brought you historical stories on military readiness, weather manipulation, election fraud, censorship, economic dollar destabilization, COVID and health, food as a weapon, the decline and fall of civilizations, all sorts of things. There's a method to my madness because I'm about to wrap all that up in one not-so-tidy bundle for you. Well, maybe tidy, but not happy. How's that? Because this is really important. We may not even get to rat-a-tat-tat in this show. That's how important this is. I want you to know that we are known for being first, sometimes by years, in the news and the thoughts that we bring you. Reparations, Trump's election, Trump's loss, COVID, problems with the jab, Wuhan, the Chinese communists planned to release that virus intentionally. The insidious involvement of the NIH and Fauci in the gain of function. And on and on and on. The deep state, the shadow state, Obama's czars. I don't know why that is. It might be that I have a lot of time out in the ranch, alone, middle of nowhere, to think, to see how the dots connect that I discover through my research every week to bring you this show. But what I'm about to share with you is another collection of dots and another forewarning, if you will, a foreshadowing of what I think is coming, of why I think things are happening, of why all these disconnected pinpricks in your financial, your health, and your freedom hide are occurring. Because there's always a reason, folks, and there's never a coincidence. You know, as well as I do, that there's many things under attack in our society, our history, our military, weather manipulation, I brought you those shows, election fraud, censorship, attack on the rule of law, the Constitution, and the equal application of justice, modern monetary theory, MMT, the destruction of the dollar, inflation, the destruction of the dollar as the reserve currency of the United States, the advent of digital money that the Federal Reserve and others are warning of, the attack on your health using fear, the attack on food, the attack on the Second Amendment, and the attack on education of your children. These are all occurring. You know many of the details on many of these things. We're going to cover a few here that basically you probably don't know. Let's take workers. So number one, you are... Workers in the United States are being attacked through government policies, which basically pay them not to work to their detriment. They're being attacked through government policies such as mandates, you know, the vaccine, quote-unquote, mandate, 
don't do what we say and you don't work. They're being attacked through this administration's overzealous support of unions. There's nothing wrong with unions. Unions have their place. They've done lots of good. Many of the unions have stood up to some of these mandates. Good for them. But many of the unions out there, folks, force people to pay dues. And then, without any input from their membership, use those dues to feather their own political nests. They contribute billions of dollars, mostly to Democratic causes and candidates. And once again, you see the insidious seam of corruptive money. You know, in 2020, let's just take that because we're all familiar with what happened then. Union bosses spent more than $2 billion to promote candidates and causes. And another $10 billion was spent, give or take, in the two years leading up to and including 2020 in political spending. This is outrageous amount of money, outrageous amount of influence, and outrageous that is done without the concurrence of many of their workers. Forced union dues is not a good thing. And the attack on workers is not a good thing. Then you have the attack on our food supply, right? I brought you that historical series. By the way, all these historical series, you can listen to them in the archives on the website. In fact, there's a history button. You can go to that page. And all those historical stories that I talked about today are right there for you. And they're fascinating. I mean, absolutely fascinating. The touchstone of the past is the guidepost to the future. It will tell you much about what's going on today. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about the squeeze they're putting on you and me and America and the world. From every angle and every direction, relentless and purposeful. Did you know that there's a pattern of fires talking about food? Okay, And food is under attack, folks. It's under attack in all sorts of ways. They're using environmental laws to curtail production. They're using the increase in cost and the lack of availability of fertilizer to attack production. They're using fuel costs to attack production, supply chain problems to attack production. You've heard the FDA is going to outlaw meat, red meat, as of April 1, 2024. I brought you that story a week ago or two weeks ago. I don't know if you know, though, that there's been a pattern of fires that have been striking food processing facilities across the United States, and they are very, very, very suspicious. So let me give you an idea, and I'm going to give you the dates because, I mean, it'll really catch your attention, okay? There's a dried milk plant, big plant, Idaho fire, 10-21, October 2021. A food processing plant fire in San Antonio, 12-21. JBS beef plant fire, 12-21, the same day. Mississippi poultry feed plant, 12-21. Hamilton Mountain poultry processing plant, 1-22. Across the country, La Compte feed mill fire, Louisiana, 1-22. Bonanza Meat Company, Texas, 2-22. Shearer's food plant fire in Oregon, 2-22. Mauston, Wisconsin River Meats, 222. Food Bank in Maricopa County, Arizona, 50,000 pounds of food destroyed, 322. The Nestle Fire in Arkansas, 322. The Walmart Distribution Center Fire down south, 322. The Potato Processing Plant in Penobscot, Maine, 322. 
Sherbrooke, Canada, food processing, 422. A huge fire grain elevator plant fire in Kansas, 422. A fertilizer plant fire, 422. The Azure Standard Processing Fire, 422. And several food processing plant fires in Salinas, California on 422. What are the odds of all those catastrophes? And then take those odds, and what are the odds of all those odds happening on the same day? Do you think this is intentional? And if so, why? You know, I've been warning you of coming food shortages, and hopefully you are preparing yourself or you're prepared. You know, in addition, you have Buffett's railroads. Who is Buffett a good friend with? Oh, that's right, Barack Obama. And who is Barack Obama's vice president? Oh, that's right, Joe Biden. So Buffett has now announced that his railroad is like just too much work, just too much going on, and they're going to curtail grain shipments. This is no kidding. Grain shipments and fertilizer shipments. They wrote a letter to the 30 largest grain shippers and the 30 largest fertilizer shippers in the United States, right in the middle of spring planting, I might add. You think that's going to have any impact on food production? And this all came down a week ago, April 18th. I mean, you know, this is brand new bad stuff. Engineered food shortages are a fact, and it will lead to food riots. It will lead, unfortunately, in many parts of the world to starvation, particularly when coupled with inflation. Did you know the average family in Africa spent, prior to this inflation, 80% of their income on food? Think about what a plight those poor people are in. And if you don't think that this is part of the collapse reset plan globally and relative to America, well, think again, folks. Think again. And if you don't want to believe it, if you don't want to step out of your normalcy bias, if you don't want to think outside the box like I pound on you all the time to do, let me tell you that Union Pacific Railroad, you know, the Buffett Railroad, do you know who the largest shareholders are? Oh, yeah, BlackRock and Vanguard. I brought you that historical story, too. Read up on those guys. And the mass culling of chickens and turkeys going on right now using that same fraudulent PCR testing that they used for COVID and that they've admitted was fraudulent and claiming there's another bird flu epidemic. So they're mass-destroying, egg-producing chickens and other birds used for meat. How about increased subsidies to farmers to plow their crops under? Basically, incentivizing the destruction of the food supply in the middle of all this. And, of course, the dismantling of America's energy infrastructure. I mean, how do tractors run? Oh, yeah, diesel. None of this is an accident. I would not be surprised to see when food does get scarce. The same type of allocation, less to red states, more to blue states, that you saw with monoclonal antibodies. I mean, that's a fact. That happened. Biden announced it, black and white. Don't think that if they did that with life-saving drugs, they wouldn't do it with life-saving food. So what's the purpose of all this? Let's look at some of the other things that are going on. Because what's really happening is they're setting up the perfect storm. At the same time we have all this nonsense going on, we have the destruction of the dollar through inflation, which is a direct result that a kindergartner could have told you of printing too much money spending too much money, buying your own debt. Then on top of that, we have the increase in interest rates. 
Think about how many folks went out there and have paid for houses at the top of the market, and now their interest rates are going up. The pool of quality, qualified buyers is shrinking. You know, remember 2008? Well, put it on steroids. And of course, if there's inflation, you have less spending money. So you have less money to prepare. You have less money to stock up on food and other vitals. You know, the Russian war over there. Oh, yeah, let's talk more about that. I mean, that is not what meets the eye either. You have the Ukrainian-Russian wheat all in the middle of all this. You know, it's not going to be available. That's 40% of the supply. It's 30, I'm sorry, 27% of the world supply and 40% of the supply to Africa, where people are already hurting for food. None of this is an accident. Zero of this is an accident. By the way, do you know where 30% of the ammunition and most of the cheap ammunition in the United States comes from? Russia. Guess what one of the first things sanctioned was? Oh, imagine that. Ammunition! Who would have guessed? All right, then we have education. I mean, we could spend 10 shows on all this stuff, but I think you get the message. And then you have the health and fear factor. You saw that on an ample display over the last several years with COVID and the jabs. And there's only two ways, folks, that they can win this upcoming election. The first is election fraud. We're going to be talking about that next. But the second is concocting another pandemic, concocting another set of lockdowns. Let's take a look at some of the dots out there, shall we? You have Tony Fauci in the last week saying that courts should not have the ability to overrule his health decisions. Think about that for a moment. Over the last two weeks, you've had all these reports and terrible videos, etc., coming out of communist China, who doesn't release anything they don't want you to see, of people locked down, screaming on their balconies. Kind of tough to go vote, huh? Or you have to do mail-in ballots. Oh, gee, that doesn't work out so well, does it? Then you have Pfizer's annual reports and quarterly projections saying, oh, you know, the, uh, the sales of vaccines are way, way, way down. By the way, same with Moderna and AstraZeneca. But we expect them to rebound in the last part of the year. Hmm, what's happening in the last part of the year? Oh, that's right, the elections. So here's some more for you. You know, nothing happens without a reason, particularly with the alt-left. I'm getting these emails all of a sudden over the last two weeks, never seen them before, COVID world update. And I can't find out who's really sending them to me, and I tried. And each of these emails is, should we say, a lead-in to something. Who knows what it is? But for instance, one talks about a study which just came out in Portugal and was presented to the European Congress of Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases. And it found that COVID is three times more deadly than the common flu. The problem is, if you read the study, it was done in the first 60 days of the pandemic from March, April, and May of 2020, before anybody really knew what COVID was, how to treat it, what would work, what didn't work, etc., etc., etc. And you know the way the article ends? The only way to protect yourself against this deadly disease is to get jabbed. Oh, okay. And then the second email I got from these folks, whoever these folks are, I have my suspicions, It talks about the CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the ACIP, who met last Wednesday. And you know what they came up with? Oh, 
The potential for renewed spread of the virus in the fall and the winter, with an increased need for booster shots and protections. Huh. I mean, I can give you other dots. How about the fact that the Democratic Marxists who are in power right now seem unconcerned with the fact that 60 to 80 percent of the American population don't like their policies, depending upon which policy you're talking about. That 70% of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. That Joe Biden has the lowest approval ratings and is most underwater approval to disapproval of any president ever. And yet they continue on their course of mayhem and destruction. Intentionally. This is not an accident. They're not incompetent. They're brilliant, unfortunately. Why are they so confident? What do they know that we don't know? Do they know that the Next election is going to be rigged like the last one? Think about this, and think about what your response is going to be if they try and pull another lockdown nonsense thing. How about, I will not comply. Open my polling place. I'm going to vote. That would be a good place to start. So as you can see, it's a full court press against your physical being, your freedoms, your finances, your food, your very existence, your life. The deal is to make you dependent, to make you subservient, to break your spirit and break your will. As Klaus Schwab, our buddy at the WEC, said, By 2030, no one will own anything and everyone will be happy. Gee, I don't think so. Which brings us to our very last tidbit here. More on voter fraud. This will all be posted on the Take Action page. It'll be part seven. Let's get going. You need to contact True the Vote. They will help you find your local voter integrity groups, and of course, your group is now formed. Go through voter registration data rolls. Match obituaries to voter rolls. No representation, folks, without respiration. (laughs) Search the voter registration base consistently. It's an ongoing, never-ending process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Duplicate names, false names, names of dead people should be submitted to the state attorney general and also to the media. Work with your state legislators to get rid of same-day voter registration. It is outrageous. It is just an open door for fraud. Put together a list of what you want to see your state legislature pass in terms of election integrity laws and work on it. By the way, there's several great videos also posted under this whole theme of election fraud, how to prevent it, on that Take Action page on the rightsideradio.com. Please visit it. Make it happen. And we're out of time again. Always. It's unbelievable. But I think after this show, you will repeat and you will say with more conviction than ever, I will muster. I will stand. I will not comply. I will never give in. I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and across the globe who love freedom as I do, and we will win. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Talk at you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.